from the Heidelberg Catechism. Let's read together. Lord's Day 32. Since we have been delivered from our misery by grace alone through Christ, without any merit of our own, why must we do good works? Because Christ having redeemed us by his blood, also renews us by his Holy Spirit to be his image. So with our whole life, we may show ourselves thankful to God for his benefits, and he may be praised by us. Further, that we ourselves may be assured of our faith by its fruits, and that by our godly walk of life, we may win our neighbors for Christ. Can those to be saved who do not turn to God from their ungrateful and impenitent walk of life? By no means. Scripture says that no unchaste person, idolater, adulterer, thief, greedy person, drunkard, slanderer, robber, or the like, shall inherit the kingdom of God. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, do you try to live your life to the glory of God? Do you obey God's commands and do what is pleasing in his sight? That should be the goal of every Christian. We were created to glorify God. We have been redeemed so that once again we can live our lives in his service. The Spirit has come to dwell in our hearts, to renew us, so that more and more we can live as God's holy children. Both on Sundays and in the rest of the week, the goal of our lives should be to glorify God. But why? What's our motivation for living our lives to God's glory? Why must we, as Christians, do good works? Why does Christ teach us that, like a good tree, we are to bear much fruit? Our catechism teaches that all who do not turn to God from their ungrateful and impenitent walk of life cannot be saved. The Bible teaches that no unchaste person, idolater, adulterer, thief, greedy person, drunkard, slanderer, robber, or the like, will inherit the kingdom of God. Do you live a godly life because you fear condemnation? Is it the warnings about hell that motivate you to do good works? Fear can be a very strong motivator in our lives. People can be afraid of all kinds of things. Some people have phobias about certain things. They're deadly afraid of spiders or heights or dark and closed spaces. They'll do everything to avoid such things. Generally, we all have within us a fear of our fellow man. There's times when we're afraid of what others might be thinking about us. 
about the judgments they make about us, it affects how we relate to one another. Yet one of the strongest fears people face is coming under the judgment of God. Many people are deathly scared to meet their maker. All fear is rooted in sin. Before the fall into sin, there was no fear. But when sin entered the world, Adam and Eve hid from the presence of the Lord. Instinctively, we know sin leads to death and death to judgment. People will go to great lengths to avoid coming under the judgment of God. Some serve God out of fear of judgment. As much as they're able, they live their lives according to God's commands because they're afraid. Otherwise, they may go to hell. So how is that with you, beloved? Do you serve God out of a fear of condemnation? Do you do good works in an attempt to avoid the pathway of hell? If so, then your motivation for serving God is wrong. God does not want us to serve him by constraint, but willingly, not out of duty, but with a thankful heart, not out of fear, but out of love. I preach to you God's word under the following theme, out of thankfulness for God's grace in Christ, we are to bear much fruit. We'll consider why we are to bear much fruit and how we are to bear much fruit. With Lord's Day 32, we come to the third part of the catechism. We've dealt with our sins and misery in Lord's Days 1 to 4, and with our deliverance in Lord's Days 5 to 31. Today we begin the section of the catechism titled, Our Thankfulness. Why are we thankful? Well, we know that due to the fall into sin, we were by nature totally corrupt and unable to do any good. That because of our sins, we deserve to suffer under God's judgment now and eternally. But God has not left us in our misery. He sent his son to redeem us from our sins. Christ has delivered us from sin and Satan and death. He has restored us to righteousness and life. That's why. We are so thankful to God. We often overlook the close connection between the three parts of the catechism. When we do that, we get distorted perspectives. We need to know how great our sins and misery are to seek deliverance. Someone that does not understand that he is a sinner will not look for grace in Christ. He doesn't see his need. There's lots of people around us who view their lives that way. They think that they're pretty good people. And that because of that, God will let them into heaven when they die. Someone who does not know of Christ's mighty redemptive work cannot live a life of thankfulness before God. Sometimes our kids will ask, why the neighbor is mowing their lawn on Sunday? Doesn't he know that 
You shouldn't be working on Sunday. At times we'll make moral judgments about people who live together without being married. But beloved, think about it. Why should unbelievers live any other way? Why should they respect God's holy commandments and live according to them? If they don't know the gospel, that Jesus Christ has died to pay for their sins, what motivation do they have to live a godly life? Some do good works out of a fear of judgment. In Roman Catholicism, one of the primary reasons why God's people are commanded to do good works is to merit at least part of their salvation. They are taught that their good works must outweigh their sins. Otherwise, when they die, they cannot enter into heaven. And so there is this stick behind the door. You better obey God's commands. Otherwise, you might end up in hell. Our motivation for doing good work should not be rooted in fear. The natural man is afraid of death. And apart from Christ, he should be. But the Bible teaches that whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. In other words, those who live apart from Christ are already condemned. And thus correctly, they live in fear of judgment. In a reading from 1 John 4, John writes that fear has to do with punishment. That word punishment is used only one other time in the Bible. In the parable in Matthew 25 about the sheep and the goats. There Christ pronounces judgment on those who do not show true love to him by loving their neighbor and caring for his or her needs. He says that they will go into everlasting punishment. Many people are afraid of what the future holds. They dread reaping the consequences of their sins. In 2 Thessalonians 1, Paul describes God's judgment on man's sin. Paul says that the Lord will bring punishment on those who do not know God and who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. They will suffer the punishment of everlasting destruction away from the presence of the Lord. That's ultimately what the natural man is deadly afraid of. But beloved, we are no longer lost in our sins. As the Catechism says, Christ has redeemed us by his blood, and he renews us by his Holy Spirit to be his image. John writes in 1 John 3, verse 1, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. In 1 John 4.10, the apostle describes Christ's love for us. He says, and this is love, not that we have loved God, 
but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation, the atoning sacrifice for our sins. It's in God's love that we find freedom from fear. 1 John 18 says, 1 John 4, 18 says, there is no fear in love, but perfect fear casts out, but perfect love casts out fear. The reason why we're not afraid of God or of his wrath is because we are secure in the Father's love for us. Beloved, God's love is eternal. God's love for us goes way back to before the foundation of the world. Paul says in Ephesians 1 that in love he predestined for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. God's love also lasts forever. In Jeremiah 31.3, we're told that God loves us with an everlasting love. God's love for us began in eternity, and it will last into eternity. God's love for us was shown in Christ's great sacrifice on the cross. If God was willing to offer his well-beloved son for us, then in his great love he will also take care of us. Paul makes that point beautifully in Romans 8, verse 32. He asks, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? And so we do not do good works out of fear but out of love. The primary reason why we are to do good works is out of thankfulness to God. We show our thankfulness by bringing forth the fruits of faith in our lives. Our Lord Jesus Christ encouraged us to do this in John 15. He talks about how he is the true vine and we are branches Jesus speaks about how we as branches are grafted into him and therefore must bring forth fruit. He says that his father, the vine dresser, cuts off every branch that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so it can bear more fruit. Jesus adds, By this my father is glorified, that you bear much fruit. We see that Jesus teaches us we are to bear much fruit out of thankfulness to God. But what does it mean to bear much fruit? Well, the image of bearing fruit in our lives as Christians comes forward more often in the Bible. The basic idea is presented in Matthew 7. Jesus says, Every good tree bears good fruit, and every bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear fruit is cut down, and is thrown into the fire. He concludes by saying, thus you will recognize them by their fruits. From this we see, beloved, that a Christian is known by the fruits that he bears. 
If we have been redeemed by Christ, and we're also being renewed by the Holy Spirit, then our lives will show this. In John 15, the Lord Jesus explains what some of the fruits of faith are. Christ speaks about remaining in his love and about keeping his commandments. He speaks about our joy being made full in him. He commands us to love each other as he has loved us. So we are to show forth fruits of faith by living our lives according to God's commandments, by loving our neighbor as Christ first loved us. It's how we can show forth our thankfulness for the wondrous grace God has given us in Jesus Christ. Our catechism details two more reasons why we are to do good works. The second reason it gives is that we ourselves may be assured of our faith by its fruits. Beloved, there can be times in our lives when we struggle with questions about whether or not God truly loves us, about whether or not we will be saved. We struggle in that kind of way. Then our fruits of faith can be of great assurance to us. If we see the fruits of faith in our lives, we're also assured of the fact that we have faith. And so we're made sure of our salvation. Please understand that assurance of our salvation does not depend just on the fruits of our faith. We struggle with questions about our salvation. We should, in the first place, look to the promises of God. Paul says in Romans 8, 39, that nobody and nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's confirmed by the testimony of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. Paul writes in Romans 8, 16, that the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Yet the promises of God and the testimony of the Spirit are confirmed by a godly lifestyle. Jesus said a tree is known by its fruits. James 2 teaches us that the fruits of faith are evidence that we have faith. John says in 1 John 2, by this we know that we have come to know Christ if we obey his commandments. By this we know that we are in him. Whoever says that he abides in him ought to walk in the same way he once walked. Thus, seeing the fruits of faith in our lives makes us confident we are saved. Our catechism also gives a third reason for doing good works. It is that by our godly walk of life, we may win our neighbor for Christ. Beloved, our way of life sends out a very strong message into the community in which we live. The Lord Jesus taught us that we are the light of the world. He commanded, let your light shine before others that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Peter also speaks about this in his first letter. He teaches us to keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable that when they speak against you as evildoers, 
they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. The testimony of the Christian church can be a very strong witness to the world around us. Think back in church history to the faith displayed by many of the saints in times of persecution. Their willingness to suffer reviling from their enemies. Even to die with the name of Jesus on their lips is what prompted others to seek out the truth of the gospel. If our conduct is consistently honorable and we showed forth the love of God to those around us, then the Lord will also use that to bring others to him. If our lives reflect joy and peace, goodness and faithfulness, gentleness and self-control, it'll cause others around us to seek the blessings that we have received. God uses the fruits of faith in our lives to draw others to his service. In our first point, we've dealt with three reasons why we are to bear much fruit. To glorify God, to assure us of our faith, and to win our neighbor for Christ. In our second point, we'll see how we are to bear much fruit. Till now, we've seen how important it is to do good works. They are essential for our salvation. Question 86 taught us we must do good works. Question answer 87 says that those who do not turn to God from an ungrateful and impenitent walk of life cannot be saved. So the Catechism teaches us that there must be fruits of faith in our lives. It raises a very important question. How are we able to bear much fruit? Doesn't the Catechism teach us in Lord's Day 2 that we cannot keep God's law perfectly? Doesn't it say that we're inclined by nature to hate God and our neighbor? Doesn't Lord's Day 3 teach us we are so corrupt that we're totally unable to do any good and inclined to all evil? These things are true. How are we to bring forth the fruits of faith in our lives? How are we to do good works? The Lord Jesus addresses this point in John 15. Christ commands us, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Jesus goes on to say, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. From these verses, we see that it is by remaining in Christ and him remaining in us that we're enabled to bear much fruit. God remains among and in his people by renewing them with his Holy Spirit 
Jesus made that clear already in John 14, verses 16 and 17. He spoke about the Father giving us another helper to be with us forever, the Spirit of truth who dwells in us. As we see that it's only through the working of the Holy Spirit in us that we're enabled to do good works. Our catechism speaks about this as well. In answer to the question, why must we do good works? It says, because Christ, having redeemed us by his blood, also renews us by the Holy Spirit to be his image. It's true that by nature we're inclined to hate God and our neighbor. According to our old nature, we are so corrupt, we're totally unable to do any good and inclined to all evil. But the point is that as Christians, we are no longer governed by our old nature. God, through his Holy Spirit, works a new nature in us. In the next Lord's Day, we speak about the dying of the old nature and the coming to life of the new. It's through the Holy Spirit that Christ sanctifies us, that he makes us holy. He renews us so that more and more we reflect his image in our lives. Being renewed in the image of God means that our minds are no longer darkened. Our hearts are no longer corrupt. Our wills are no longer perverted. Through the Spirit's renewing work, it's possible for us to once again know God. Through his work, we're enabled to heartily love God. Through his work, it's again possible for us to live in a relationship with God, to have communion with him. It's the Spirit's work in us that changes us from sinful blindness to a life devoted to the Lord. In Christ, he gives us a new life. It's through his power that we may begin to praise and glorify God for all his mighty deeds. For it's through the Spirit's work in us that we are renewed in the image of God. Yes, beloved, the beautiful thing about doing good works, about bearing much fruit is that ultimately it doesn't come from us. It is Christ in us. It's the Holy Spirit working in our hearts and lives. Paul emphasized in Ephesians 2 verse 10 that we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. He says in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's not because we are so good that we bring forth fruits of faith in our lives. It's only because of the Spirit's work in us that we're enabled to do so.
So we see, beloved, that the absolute demand that we must do good works is not something we have to fear. It is reasonable for God to expect that we who have been delivered from our misery by grace through Christ should bring forth fruits of thankfulness. For God does not expect us to keep the Ten Commandments out of our own strength. In His grace, God has granted us the Spirit to dwell in our hearts, to make us able to live for Him. It's not we who produce fruits of thankfulness in our lives. It's the Spirit working in us. Now, in this life, we will never be able to live perfect lives before God. There is always going to be a struggle between the sinful flesh and the new nature that's worked in us by the Spirit. Yet God and His grace will continue to renew us according to His image. By His Word and Spirit, He will work in us so that we begin to bring forth fruits of thankfulness. In this way, God enables us to praise and to glorify Him. We're motivated to do so not out of fear, but out of love. At the same time, the Spirit uses the fruits of faith in our lives to make us sure about our salvation and to witness to others about Him. Let it be our prayer that we walk in the Spirit and that thus we bring forth much fruit. It's how we show forth our thankfulness to God. Amen. Let's respond to the gospel message by rising and singing together. Psalm 116, stanzas 1, 7, 9, and 10.